Um, it's very important to me that you know that these words aren't being made up. Uh, they do show up on the screen behind me, and so if you don't have a Bible, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I want you to be able to find things when you're at home. And so I always tell you where we're going to be in the Bible before we get going. We're going to be in Psalm, Psalm number 23. And so if, to, if you're new to the Bible, basically you just open your Bible to the middle. That's pretty much Psalms, and then find number 23. Uh, that's where we'll be today. I saw a video the other day, this, uh, this, 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 the person holding the camera is at a concert, and it's a, it's a daughter who's probably in her mid-30s, something like that, and her mom is with her, and so mom is, you know, mid-50s or whatever mom would be at that age, and uh, mom and daughter are at the concert, and instead of the, the daughter holding the video on the concert that's happening, she's watching mom, and she's laughing, and you hear her giggling, because the concert is not the important part right now. What's happening is, is that there's a strange man who's kind of come up and is videoing the concert and has put his arm on mom's shoulder, and mom is just like, she's looking, and she's like, turns to the camera, she's like, I don't know this guy, and, and he's just sitting there, and he realizes that the camera is on him, so he turns, and he looks at the camera, and he's like, hey, you know, that's a great concert, he's like, thumbs up her, and everything like that, and, and so they have this moment, and the, the camera operator, the daughter, she's just laughing, you can hear her laughing, and this man, he, he's getting uncomfortable as she's laughing, because basically, he has a stranger pointing a camera in his face, laughing at him, and he can't figure out why, he's like, yeah, it's a really great concert, yeah, and then, and then he's so uncomfortable, he goes to tell his wife what's happening. Now, he thinks that this woman that he's had his hand on this entire time is his wife. It's not. It's a stranger. And so he leans in to whisper to her, like, this lady's got somebody, you know, she's watching me. And, and then he realizes that's not his wife. He goes, oh, whoa, sorry. And then he points at his wife, and it turns out these two women have the same hairstyle, and they're wearing the same shirt. He's completely embarrassed. I would love to have followed him around for the rest of the day, you know? Like, what, how long had he been following the wrong wife around that entire day? He felt comfortable enough. He felt like this is a safe place to talk to. Uh, he, he knew that he had the right wife until he found out that he was wrong the entire time. Uh, and he just, that moment is, is collapsing. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of leading and following, that, that we know that the Lord wants us to follow him. That's kind of what it means to call him Lord, is to say that he's boss and we're going to follow you. And I just want to, like, that, that moment where you realize, oh, I've been following the wrong thing, that might happen today. That's, that's a weird, creepy moment. I, I don't know if you've had that uh, in the past. I, I have... Um have this, this, uh, it's almost like a, a, a danger of the job is that I recognize a lot more faces than I remember names. And so I'll be in public and I'll see people that I know and I go to say hi to them. And I'm walking up to them like, Hey, I, I don't know you. And it's just like, I kind of walk, walk away from. And I, I pulled out, uh, this is about a year ago. I pull out of a, a parking lot. I'm getting onto Nederland Avenue and my uncle, he drives by in front of me in a red truck and he has a dog in the passenger seat, a little puppy. Now, I've known my uncle my entire life. I've never known him to actually own a dog. And so that was weird. And he has this puppy. And so I think I'm going to, I'm going to follow him and like wave at him. And so I follow my uncle and we get up to this red light and I'm like, you know, kind of inching up, inching up. I roll my window down. And, I'm like, ah. and then he rolls his window. It's not my uncle. It's just some random guy with a dog trying to figure out. So it's like, nice dog, man. And I just, I peel out. I just, I take off because you gotta, you gotta work it. You gotta, you gotta flow with it. Um, here, here's what I think. I think that most people, uh, especially if you're in this room or if you're listening to this message, you, you have a kind of a positive affinity towards the church and towards the Lord. Uh, I don't think anybody is in here against their will. If you are blink twice and we'll send an elder to help you. Um, otherwise you're wanting to follow the Lord, uh, you're, or at least you're considering it. 
And, and I just want you to know that there are a lot of flash and there's a lot of sparkle out there in the world that promises you I'm representing the Lord. Uh, it's, a, it's a desire. It might be a, a certain teacher. There's a number of different things. I'm not trying to name names or anything, but there's a lot of ways that we can be wrong about following the Lord, and they look right. And you might be like that dad, that husband, <laughs> the husband at the concert. It's like you've, you're following the wrong wife around. You're following the wrong person around. It is a gift for him to find out, oh, no, my wife is over here. And it is a gift for us to find out that we've been following what we thought was the Lord, but it was really just ourselves making up plans because God wants us to be happy. And so we were doing whatever we wanted that we thought would make us happy. And then it's a gift to have that awkward moment of, ooh, I've been following the wrong thing. And that may happen today. We're in a series uh, called uh, Find the Melody, Living in Harmony with God. And kind of the, the idea is that there's this, there's this melody. If you think of it like a song, there's this song that's been playing in the background our entire lives, all of creation. And it's this melody, the same notes that the Lord has been hitting since the beginning of love and patience and guidance and restoration. Those notes are the notes of the song that the Lord has been hitting. And, and we would find more harmony in our life if we lean into that song rather than play our own song. And so the, the first week we got together, we, we kind of made this as kind of a big blanket statement. is that if you want to live a life of harmony, you must find the melody. We're not going to find a life of peace and harmony if we're making up our own moves. Um, we are like sheep led astray. We, uh, like sheep, all have wandered his own way. Scripture talks about us as sheep, and sheep need a shepherd, whether we want to believe it or not. If we're going to find a life of harmony, it's because we found the one worth following. We found the good shepherd. We found the melody. Uh, I'm using a lot of preacher metaphors to make one main point. I hope, I hope you can see the one point. Uh, and then, and then last week, we just, we looked at this idea that the song, this melody that's been playing, it's a love song. And we said that the proof that you're maturing as a Christian, the proof that you're maturing as a follower of Jesus is when you learn to love well, when you learn to love the unlovable people, when you learn to not hold a grudge, even though they deserve to have the grudge held. That's why it's so easy to hold. But the Lord is leading us to something better, harder but better. And so what I want to do today is I want to open up Psalm 23, uh, and I want to read a very famous psalm. I think many people, if I just saying Psalm 23, you may even recognize it. It's a psalm that is used a lot at funerals. I've, I've been asked to preach this at funerals. It makes a lot of sense, and I'll tell you why when I get to it. Sometimes um, I'll, I'll preach you know, a funeral and someone will say, hey, can you do that one, that one thing, the thing in the Bible where it's like, the Lord is my shepherd? You know that one? I'm like, yeah, the Psalm 23, I know that one. Uh, we can do it. And so they want that preached. Uh, I, I preached my sister's funeral about seven years ago, and this was the passage that I taught as I looked over a crowd of people who are mourning the loss of someone who died way before her time. Psalm 23, it is extremely popular. Uh, it is a source of comfort for so many people. It's a source of meditation for people who love the Psalms. They love Psalm 23. If that is you, just like kind of nod yes. Like if you know Psalm 23, I want you to know it's meant to be a source of comfort for you because it has chaos written all over it. It's meant to show you the way that our Lord will shepherd us. And so what I would like to do just to set the stage, I don't do this every week, but I want to just read straight through Psalm 23. Amber, if you can help me with the slides on that. I'm just going to go from beginning to end without explanation. And then I want to get back to the beginning and kind of work our way through it and see where we land, if that's okay. All right. Psalm 23, verse 1, a Psalm of David. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Such a beautiful psalm. I wonder, I wonder how many times I've heard this at a funeral. People looking for guidance, wanting to be reminded. It's always believers that want this. Uh, uh, people, people who don't know the Lord don't understand this idea that he's a shepherd. I want to I look at this psalm from a position not of a funeral, but of those who live in a world where funerals are possible. Um, those, those who have died and have gone on to be with the Lord, they will never see death again. But those of us who are in this room right now, we have funerals stacked up. And we go and we don't know when the next one is. And they just are. And so this psalm is not for the person in the casket. Do you understand? This psalm is for those of us that live in a world where death is a possibility. How do we get through a day of chaos? How do we get through a day where the world is piling on us? The, the things that our kids need is just more and more. The things that are going on at school, the things that are going on at work, the, the pressures of life keep piling up. What if, what if when we look in the mirror, we say we are not enough? Psalm 23 is for us. Okay, and so let's, let's look at it together. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. This is a beautiful picture. Jesus loved talking about himself as a shepherd. We'll look at some of that here in a moment. But a shepherd leads. I don't know if you know sheep, but they, they just sort of wander around and they, they, they're, they're, there's some rapscallion sheep out there and they just get themselves into trouble. Sometimes sheep, they think that, hey, that hole looks like a lot of fun and they just fall in it. And then the shepherd's like, let me get you out of that hole. And like, oh, look, a fun hole. And the sheep falls right back into it. That's us. Okay. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's a weird phrase, this idea of want. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of the old English way. I mean, we're in 2023. So we read that. And it's like, I shall not want, but you know, I really want a better job and I want a little bit more money. I have a couple of wants. What, what does this mean? Um, has anybody ever seen the movie A Knight's Tale? I don't know, an old movie. It's got Heath Ledger in it. It's, 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 it's pretty decent. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a good movie. And there's this, there's the bad, there's the bad guy. And at the end of the movie, his big line, the bad guy at, at the end, he says something like, uh, you have been, you've been weighed, you've been measured, and you have been found wanting. That idea of being found wanting, you can hear it in there. It's this idea of not being enough. Uh, to be found wanting is this idea of I, I'm not enough to get through the next thing. I don't measure up. That's, that's the way that this psalm means it. And what, what the psalmist is saying, what David is saying is that because the Lord is my shepherd, I'm not going to be found lacking anything that I need. You know, uh, I, I don't know how many times you've been in a situation where you are facing the impossible. You're facing something that you don't have enough bandwidth for. And, and the phrase, like, I don't know if I'm enough for this. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're not going to be found lacking. He has enough for you. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. So what is a shepherd doing? He's guiding me around, and he's guiding me to, to green pastures, and he's making me lie down uh, in these green pastures. He's leading me beside still waters. Uh, when, when you're a sheep and you're in the wild, um, you can't drink from a raging river. I, I feel like you, you know that. One, one of my favorite things is watching little kids in water fountains. It is a mystery how kids are going to get that water out of a water fountain. It's got this arch happening. There's water going everywhere. And it's just sort of they, they waterboard themselves before they know how to drink. They're like, you know, they get into it because the water is just too chaotic. They don't know how to do it. The, the shepherd, David says, is he's taking me, he knows the secret path to that stream that is just perfect for me. I don't know if you know this or not, but the shepherd, the Lord knows what you need more than you do. He knows the path to the secret green pasture, and he will make you lie down. Some of us in here were uh, workaholics or like myself, a recovering workaholic, where it's just like, I've got to go. I don't want to lie down. Uh, David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The sheep doesn't want to rest, but the Lord will force it on us because it's for our good. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he, he leads me to those secret still waters. When I, when I was a kid, this has just popped in my head, when I was a kid, uh, we lived on like 80 acres, and there's just woods everywhere, and I found at like six years old, I found this like little cove where like the trees didn't grow, and it was almost like, it was almost like a, a snow white moment where like the birds would always land in it. Like as a kid, I would, I would wander through the woods, and I was the only one in my family who knew where this secret place was. I had a dumb name for it. I don't remember what it was, but when I read this passage, I think of this spot where it's just mine. It's like it was purposely cut out in the forest for me at six years old. The Lord knows where your secret spot can be, where you can find rest and restoration. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. This this is the best worded psalm. I don't know if I'm allowed as a pastor to say, like, this is the best psalm of all the psalms. This is the best worded psalm I can think of. He restores my soul. Some of us are walking and our soul is injured. You look good on the outside, but our soul is injured. And we have questions. We're like, Jesse, where do I go to get my soul restored? The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Soul. The Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. Nefesh. Um, we did a series on love the Lord our God with all our mind, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. Um, we did that about a year ago. If you want to go look at it, it was called No Compartments. And we looked at that word soul. We had a whole, whole, ep- uh, not episode, a whole, uh, this is not a movie, uh, a whole message. Uh, about soul. And the Hebrew word nefesh for soul, it means something more than like that ghosty part that comes out whenever you get hit on the head, you know, like that part in, you know, Dr. Strange that came out of his body. That's not really what the Bible means when it says soul. Uh, what Hebrew means when it says soul, the nefesh, it's your innermost being. It is your truest identity. It is who you really are, not what you do, not your job, not your status, not your marriage, not your parenting status, not anything about how much money you make. All of those are just like, I don't know, they're ornaments that hang on the soul, but your soul, the thing that you really are, your innermost being, that's what the Lord is wanting to restore. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What the Lord is wanting to do with us as he's leading us is like that path that he wants to take us on. 
It's called the path of righteousness. And sometimes the path of righteousness is awesome. It is so much fun. Like whenever I see someone and they're like, hey, Jesse, you know, I just, I confess Lord, I confess Jesus as my Lord. I'm ready to be baptized. They're usually really pumped about that. They're giddy. I'm giddy and we're dunking people. And like those paths of righteousness are a blast, right? But then, you know, some other paths of righteousness, they're a little less fun. That path of righteousness where it's time for us to go apologize for the thing that we shouldn't have said last week, but I don't want to say it, but the path of righteousness is like the Lord is leading you that way. When we're following the shepherd, when we, when we have the Lord leading us where we're going, we're led down paths of righteousness. Some are easy and some are hard, but they are for our good to make us more righteous in, in his name. For, for what reason though? For his name's sake is what David says here. You know why he leads us in paths of righteousness? Oh, it's because he really loves me. He does really love you, but it's not because of that. You know why he leaves you, leads you in paths of righteousness? Because I'm really awesome. Okay, well, we need to talk about that. Uh, it actually has very little to do with us. He does love us, but the reason that he does it is because he's, he's kind of a big deal. He's the creator of the universe. It is for his name's sake that he's doing any of this. It is for his reputation You know, see, God, the creator, uh, he doesn't need a hype man. He doesn't need me to stand up here and prove to you that he's good. His reputation is intact, whether I do a good job of that or not. He doesn't need that from me or from you. He's doing these works because he's worthy of them. See, what we learned about this melody, we're trying to find the melody, is that we were created for worship. From the very beginning, to worship God with a pure heart. And we've lost that in the fall. We are divided. We want to worship ourselves and our own dreams and our own desires. And we make a mess of our lives. If Honestly, I, I make a mess of my life. I don't know if you agree. Uh, you may agree that I've made a mess of my life. I don't know if you agree about it, about yourself. But, but the, the goal of the Lord is that he's restoring our souls and he's leading us into righteousness because his name, his reputation is worthy of the praise that we've forgotten how to do. And when he restores our souls, we are prepared to worship better. Verse 4. This, is, this verse right here is why uh, it ends up in funerals all the time. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I'm standing at a funeral and I have, and the casket is behind me, and it has been, and I say the phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, who am I talking to? The people in the room are the ones in the shadow of death. that They see the death. They experience the death. The one who has passed away, is that's not the shadow of it. They're, they're with the Lord then. It's us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, why, why would the sheep with the shepherd go into the valley of the shadow of death? It's because the Lord has gone before him and is saying, this is the path. This is the way forward. See, this entire, this entire picture that David is painting is this idea of a, a shepherd leading a sheep through places and goes to the still waters, goes to the green pasture. I've got to lie down here. I'm going down all these paths of righteousness. Why did you end up in the valley of the shadow of death? Because the Lord is saying, come here, this is where I'm going. See, but what's great about our Lord, though, is that he's not the general who sits back and sends his troops forward. You guys go into the valley of the shadow of death. I hope it works out for you. No, the Lord goes before us. The shadow of death, it's a shadow because we don't know what is on the other side, but it's scary. That phone call in the next few steps, in the next few weeks, we are scared. 
I don't know how we're going to handle that. These are the phone calls that I get, Jesse. We just heard this. What's going to happen? What do I do? And usually the advice that I have is, I don't know what comes next either, but the Lord has already gone before you. The Lord is in front of you, and he has promised not to leave you alone in that. He is just calling us forward. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think, I think most of us, if, if we're kind of praying this out, um, what we would prefer is, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you know, lo and behold, there was no evil. That's, that's not what this says. This says that there are scary things in the world. There is evil in this world. There is brokenness in the world. There is sin in this world. There are mean people in this world, and they'll so say mean things. Parents, listen, this is, this is every parent's fear. It's like, well, I, gotta, you know, I don't know if my kid's going to be okay. It's, I, it's the unknown. There is evil out there, but the Lord has promised that you're not going to be alone in that evil. I will fear no evil, not because it's not there. I will fear no evil because the shepherd is with me, and I'm not going to be found wanting He's a protector and he's good. Uh, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And what is he doing? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The psalmist starts to think about, you know, David was a shepherd uh, before he was king, before he wrote the psalm. He was a shepherd. He knows how to take care of sheep and he, he's he been there. Uh, a shepherd, as you may think, like little Bo Peep, whatever image you have in your head, has like sticks and tools to keep the sheep going where they're going. The path of righteousness is down this aisle and the sheep is like wanting to wander over here and talk to these people over there. And the rod just kind of nudges the sheep. No, 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 we're going, we're going. <laughs> Through the valley of the shadow of death, we're getting through there. See, the problem, though, is that the sheep feels that rod and that staff. It's like, hey, leave me alone. I want, I want to do my own thing. But, but David, he's like, no, this is a comfort. When you know that the shepherd is guiding you this way. Listen to me, Christian. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to believers for a second. Um, those moments in life where you're wanting to say something, and you just f- hear the quiet voice of the Lord saying, keep your mouth shut. You do not need to say that. When, when you do something that you regret and you, the Lord convicts you later, that is not punishment. That is discipline. And those are two different words. The book of Hebrews says that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. The rod and the staff, that, 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 that sting of your conscience that tells you what you did was not on the path of righteous. Get back over here, son. Get back over here, daughter. Please stay with me. Those are a gift from the Lord. And too many Christians, they feel that nudge from the rod and they say, well, the church is mean to me. God's bad. God, God doesn't love me and I'm out of here. No, that nudge, that, that sense where the Lord hasn't given up on you and you can't shake it, like it's, it's pestering you, um, that, that is a gift. And it should be a comfort to know that he's not giving up on you. He's steering you where you are going. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me. Isn't that nice? Like, we're getting to the good stuff now. You prepare a table before me. There's a place that the Lord has prepared for you to just sit with him, to be with your Lord. We try to experience that every time we gather as a church when we have the prayer time uh, in, in circles. that The Lord wants to be with you. There, there are these moments in your life that though you're in the valley of the shadow of death, though all the storm is raging around you, that you are invited to just be with him to sit, and he's in control. He's still Lord of all the things. But look where that table is. How about this? Where did the Lord put that table? You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, God. Is there a better address for this table? Like, I don't want to be around these people. I don't want to be around my enemies. What, what, are, your, what are your enemies? What, I want, you may know. You may, you may know you have some enemies. Uh, 
You know, Susie in HR, I always pick on Susie in HR. I don't know a Susie, but if you got somebody at work that's a Susie in HR, that's just like she's out to get you. Maybe that's your enemy. I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty good enemy. I think, I think that this is also a broader topic. He's preparing a table before your enemies, and your enemy is the fear that you're not going to be enough. He's preparing a table before your enemies, and your fear is that you're, you're not going to be smart enough, strong enough. You're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough mom. You're not a good enough dad. Like We have all of these enemies, and they're whispering lies to us. And, and, and these lies, they drive us off the path, and we're just like, I can't stay on this path because it's terrifying. And the Lord is saying, no, I've got a table for you. Just come sit with me. Yeah, but all my enemies are right there. Yeah, so is your shepherd. See, some of us, we've been taught a vanilla version of Christianity that says God is going to take you down these easy roads around the hard thing, around this hard thing. There is no detour around grief. There is no detour around uh fear of not being enough. There is no detour around going through the hard stuff of life. And though you want it, though you pray for it, our shepherd has prepared the table and he is patient. The invitation is open. I think a lot of Christians, when they get that invitation, they follow the Lord and they get to that place, they stop and they wait. And then a year goes by and five years goes by The table has been prepared, and the Lord is like, this is where we're growing next, if you follow me here. And then after five years, we're like, I just don't feel the Lord anymore. I don't know where he's leading me anymore. Well, where did you last see him? Well, I was at that table of fear I didn't want to go to. Yeah, yeah, I think your next step may be back to that table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. I could do an entire seven weeks on just that one sentence, anointing my head with oil. In fact, if you're into that, um, the Bible Project podcast has seven hours plus on the phrase, this idea of anointing. You could, you could check this out. But this idea of anointing my head is this idea of blessings from God. When, when we sit down at that table in the presence of our enemies, in the place of our deepest fears and our deepest shortcomings, then we start to experience these sacred blessings that have been held back. There are blessings, anointing oils of the head, if you will, that are only accessible if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You find the table in the presence of your enemies where your shepherd is sitting and is guiding you to, and you sit down with him And you just start to process some things. And then what happens is he anoints your head with oil. My cup overflows. What ends up happening is that the blessings we experience of our God in those moments, they are more than what we can count. Our cup overflows. Surely, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When we experience this way of following the Lord, we start to build a history of following Jesus in those moments. We look behind us and we realize in all of the valley of the shadow of death, goodness and mercy are just following me every day. Everywhere I go, the Lord is good. He protects me all the days of my life. We move from a scarcity mindset of I might not be enough to a space where my shepherd, the one whom I follow, is more than enough. He can more than handle this. That's why my cup is overflowing. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that you are safe and secure if you're a follower of Jesus. There's nothing that's going to separate you from him. You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But in this day, in this age, the the world we live in, where the shadow of the, the valley of the shadow of death is everywhere, He's willing to guide you into more truth. He's willing to guide you into more healing, to more, to more completeness, where you find your soul again and you're restored back. 
to wholeness. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to switch gears. This is a beautiful psalm. Can we agree that Psalm 23 is like, it, it's, it's rich. Um, I want to switch gears and I just want to get practical for a moment um, and just get kind of out of the, out of the philosophical and just say, you know, like how, if you're a follower of Jesus, how are you going to know how to hear him? Like the shepherd is like this guide. How, how are you going to know what he's wanting you to do? Some of us, we feel like, well, you know, I just, I wish he would talk to us with a loud, booming voice. You really don't. Everybody who had the loud, booming voice fell over as if dead. Like they're all terrified. You, you want the calm, still voice where the Lord is gently calling you. If you're getting the loud, booming voice, you probably missed the off ramp a couple of times. And he's like, listen, son. It's kind of like when, when you're a parent and you're like, hey, clean your room. Hey, clean your room. And then the third time, the kids are like, why are you yelling at me? Because I said it 52 times. Um, that's not the loud, booming voice we want. How are you going to know when the Lord is getting your attention? One thing I just want to say is um, I'm not trying to prove to you anything about God. That's not my place. Um, His reputation is intact. If he wants to get your attention, I just trust that he knows how to get your attention. He knows how to speak your language. He knows how to arrange your life and your circumstances in such a way that you will hear him. You say, well, Jesse, that sounds wonderful. Why do you think that? Because when Jesus refers to himself as a shepherd in John 10, here's what he says. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you're a follower of Jesus, he can get your attention. And when you hear him, you will have the opportunity to follow him. That, that is it's as simple as I can make it. You say, well, Jesse, I think the Lord wants me to do A, B, and C. Why do you think that? I don't know. Okay, well, how long have you been thinking about it? Well, it's like every, I, I really want to do this, but I think the Lord is wanting me to do this. Ah, so you're telling me that you think that the Lord is disagreeing with your desires? Yeah. Let's pay attention to that for a second. We need to be careful. Listen, Christian, we need to be careful that if the Lord has agreed with everything you've thought for the last six months, it might not be the Lord. <laughs> it might just be you telling yourself what to do. Uh, just, just in the last week, I've had moments where I'm sitting with a friend and we're trying to process something and like it just, like all the math said, go this way. And after about an hour of talking and 20 minutes of praying with my friend, it's just like, yeah, I think, I think this is a let's just wait and see moment. It, it just changed like that. The, the Lord can get your attention. If, if you're new uh, to following Jesus, how is the Lord going to get your attention? He could do it any way that he wants. But if you're kind of new, uh, I suspect that he's often going to use a friend who's a little bit more mature than you uh, in, in terms of Christianity. They may be a goofball, right? But uh, they, may, they may have been following Jesus a little bit longer. Maybe listen to them. Maybe if you're going through something, you bring your friend this. I'm talking about the kind of person that they're going to pray for you without judgment. Uh, and, and you can just unlock load yourself on. Uh, listen to them, and oftentimes the Lord is going to speak through them. Oftentimes the Lord is going to speak through uh, maybe a sermon or a message that you listen to online or in this moment. Can I tell you a secret? Um, if you've ever heard a sermon, especially from me, and you're like, that's speaking right to me, right in this situation, listen to me very carefully. I'm not smart enough to orchestrate that. I, I, I am not the Holy Spirit, and neither is any other pastor. When, when someone is just teaching God's word and God's ways and is just like lining up right with what's going on in your life, that's the Lord trying to get your attention, pointing you to, to paths of righteousness, and your job is to listen and to obey and to follow him. If you've been a follower of Jesus for a while and it's just been a minute, like it's been, it's been six months, a year, 10 years since you've heard anything, you're just like, I don't, I don't know how to hear him anymore. It's been a while. I, I just want to ask you, when, when did you last hear him? 
I, I, like I said earlier, I suspect the last time you heard him say something to you um, that you were supposed to follow was something hard. And you decided to sit and wait on it. Give me just a minute, Lord. Let me think about it. And he, he did. But then he didn't call you to anything easier. He's this good God who's going to call you on this path of righteousness. And six months ago, you were supposed to sit down at that table in the presence of your enemies of fear and not being enough and uh, being, being incomplete. And maybe, maybe the Lord is still sitting at that table. Maybe we just need to go back to where we saw him last. If you're struggling with this, like I want to hear from the Lord and I haven't heard from him in a while, I just want to uh, highlight Matthew 7, 7 and just say that this is a promise that he's made, this promise that the Lord has made. 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. If you're wanting to follow your shepherd, my advice to you is to talk to him about it. So many of us, we have this image of God that he's playing hide and go seek. He's like, it's just really hard to get a hold of. He's not the one who's dodgy. It's us. We're the ones who are trying to get away from that table. We're the ones trying to get out of the valley. And he is just, he's calmly calling us. Maybe just sit and talk to him. God, why is this so hard? He might reveal something in your heart that you've been ignoring or you've been blind to for a while. But the promise is that if you ask, it will be answered. If you knock, the door will be open. I want to close with meditating on this thought. The entire Psalm 23 is this kind of, roadmap of what it's going to be like to follow the Lord. I want to ask the question is, who are you following? Really? Like, who who are you following? If the Lord hasn't disagreed with you recently, hasn't changed your mind on something recently, if you haven't been so super certain of A, B, and C only to find out like the Lord really had a different plan in mind, you might not be following this Lord who's leading you to hard things and then to the place of rest when you need rest and then to the still waters where you're going to be refreshed. He's trying to restore your soul. Are you following him? Are you following him? John 10, 11, I'll close with this. Jesus, uh, same passage as uh, we just looked at a moment ago. He is the good shepherd. Here's what he says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Christian narrative is this. Though the valley of the shadow of death may contain evil, your Lord has already walked into the valley of shadow of death, found death, punched him in the face, has beat death, okay? Okay. Our Lord is the victor over death. Uh, think, think about like a 1990s prison movie. You know, the ones where like they put an undercover cop and they put him in prison and he's like, nobody knows that he's a cop and he's trying to figure out where all the crime is coming from in the prison. You know the movies I'm talking about? So some of you are old enough to know the movies I'm talking about. And he gets in there and there's some big scary guy in there that nobody messes with. Nobody, nobody dare touches because he's running that prison. And then our hero, after usually a training montage and somebody giving him a pep talk and a couple other things, uh, I'm ruining 80% of the 90s movies, uh, he gets to this point and he beats the big scary guy down. And then all that fear and all that respect gets transferred to him. Our Lord Jesus, when he went to the cross, beat death. What are we afraid of? He's the source of life. He's the only one who can restore our souls. And the thing that we're most scared of, he's already won. Let's trust him. Let's follow him. If you don't know how, talk to him. If, you, if you're like, I'm really new to this, I need some help, talk to a friend. We're going to follow the Lord, and in that process, we're going to have our souls restored, and we're going to know it's time to lie down, it's time to drink from this water. Let me, let me pray for you, um, and we'll watch the cue together. I'll pray a, a blessing over you this morning. Lord, um, 
We come to you after, after reading this psalm. We thank you, God, that you, you are with us in every stage of life that we see in this psalm, through the easy, through the hard, through the naive and ignorant parts of our lives to the hard and scary parts of our lives. Father, you promise to never leave us. Father, help us to never walk away from you. Uh, I pray, Lord, that in, in, in discipline and kindness, Father, that you keep all of us, all the people in this room uh, and that are listening just to, on that path of righteousness and walking towards you. I pray, Father, that we would have the courage to go into the hard things and we would have the peace of mind to sit at the table in the presence of our enemies, not because our enemies aren't scary, but because you're sitting there and you will keep us safe. I pray, Lord, for those of us in this room that it's been a minute since we followed you, since we trusted you. I pray that you would restore those souls and return us back to you. We love you. And we pray this in the name of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen.